Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. This is John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to have you here joining me in the Live Inspired Movement. On every Live Inspired podcast episode, we have amazing guests join us to share their story. They share their successes, their failures, their lessons, their music, their life. More importantly than hearing their stories, though, you're going to have some real ideas, real mindsets, real inspiration, real actions to apply in your own life. Now, before we get started today, you should check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter profile, all that stuff. It's all available on our primary website. It's where we keep our blogs, our vlogs, the story of On Fire, everything's housed there, including old podcasts. I encourage you to check it out today if you haven't been there lately. It's a great site. It is at JohnO'LearyInspires.com. Again, that's JohnO'LearyInspires.com. About five years ago, my wife came home from a girls' night, and she shared with me that she met this musician, that she heard this guy that was absolutely awesome, that he was absolutely awesome. She said his name was Mike Mattingly and that he was playing at the concert venue where she was that night, and she got his business card. Well, we gave Mike, this gentleman, a call and asked if he might ever be willing to play a party for us, and his answer was yes. Mike showed up early. His son of his brought in his gear with him. That was four plus years ago, and this musician and I have become dear friends. He's an awesome musician. He's an awesome singer. When you have him play, whether it's your backyard or in front of an entire stadium, he never takes a break. He continues to rock on, and I think Mike's music amplifies Mike's life. You're going to love this story. You're going to love his humility. You're going to love his music. You're going to love my friends. So my friends, tune it in today. I invite you right now to buckle up, turn that uh, volume button on a little bit louder. You'll need it today. You're going to love you're going to love my friend. His name is Mike Mattingly. Mike Mattingly, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Well, thank you, Mr. John. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Man, it is an honor, truly, to have you in studio with us, to have you live and in front of you as a guitar. So I, I'm optimistic that we may even hear some live music today. I'd be glad to play for you. So you got a guitar. It sounds like you might be a musician of some type. Tell the folks who haven't had the good fortune of hearing you a little bit about your story today. Yeah, so I've been playing music my whole life, but mainly as a drummer. I started uh, in fifth grade. as uh, my, my older brother played drums, and so I had to do everything that he wanted to do and uh so i pretty much forced my parents to get me a drum set and you must have good parents man. Oh, they were phenomenal my, honestly my parents had my my drum set and my brother's drum set set up in the living room uh and never once told us not to play so i mean you know and my dad was off at work uh thankfully for him yes uh, but uh, my mom always wanted us to bang away and we always did and so anyway i've been playing drums my whole life and you know, of the everybody has a list of things they're good at and a list of things that they're not as good at. And and my list of things I'm I'm not as good at is pretty long, but I can play some <laughs> musical instruments, and uh, it just seems to be somewhat natural for me. Mike, were you self-taught? Yes. Yeah. You you learned the drums by yourself? Yeah, a hundred percent by myself. I n- I've never had a drum lesson in my life, and I I can't read music to save my life. So your brother is he as as gifted as you are? In, he was. In- he hasn't stuck with it, but yeah, he was. Re- he's really good. 
he was really good. And that's what made me want to play. And your mother, I mean, my, my kids, if they're humming too loud sometimes, I'll be like, hey, Jack, <laughs> knock it off down there, man. No more joy in the house. Uh, you're, you're rocking out in the living room with a freaking drum set. I grew up with music uh, in the, on the weekends. My, we just Somebody in the house, I'm the youngest of five kids, somebody had a stereo on. Yeah. So there's just music bouncing around the house, and I would, I would jump out of bed and run into my drum set and start banging along to it. You brought her up, so let's go there right now. You talked about your mom. Yeah. You said she was an amazing lady. She's great. Talk about it, mom. Just always so supportive and, and uh, you know, that's the first word that comes to mind is supportive and encouraging and uh, fun. She would dance. We would dance around. Music would be on. She loved music and loved that I played music and the times that she got to see me uh, play really special. She came out to quite a few shows when I was uh, playing drums mm. uh, pretty regularly. So that was really cool. But she, she passed away in 2004 and never got to see me do what I do now because I've just started singing and playing guitar in the past seven years, something like that. How old were you, Mike, when you, you, you first started playing drums? Drums was fifth. I'm going to go with fifth grade because that's when I got my drum set. I always banged on yes. stuff, but yeah. You know, most rockers, <clears throat> their hair is long. Their attitude is massive. <laughs> they have an awful lot of confidence, or at least they portray it. But, you know, and getting to know you the way I have, that wasn't exactly the Mike Mattingly childhood <laughs> that you knew and loved. No, I, I wasn't really. Uh, it never really occurred to me to be, you know, Johnny Rockstar. I, I just love playing music and the way it made me feel. And uh, for me, actually, looking back on it now, banging on the drums is I, used, I played pretty uh, hard. I was a pretty heavy handed guy and it i think it was really therapeutic actually yeah it was my way of getting you know getting out aggression or whatever was just banging on the drums just beating them silly and so and i did that for many many years and actually it, it uh took me into when i was kind of having some problems with anxiety and it, it helped with that but it also kind of uh, you know it all kind of compounded and came through but playing drums is honestly you know uh i don't want to overstate it but it's you know it's a really important way for me to to release tension and and uh, a form of therapy yeah, yeah. You, you know I'm, i i spoke recently to a, a group of school counselors there were 1100 in the room and leading up to it, i had a call with the, the chairman of the organization and the gentleman said there is so much anxiety that these kids are dealing with yeah. he talked about some of the things in the news social media be, being bullied whether it's in class out of class online you pick the place parents struggling with their parents changing their lives all, all the things that little ones are dealing with but anxiety was the word he used to sum it all up you dealt with this yeah i you know i was just always a nervous kid first of all i think everybody i'm, I'm not a victim in the least i think everybody has certain degrees of anxiety of course um but I was always a really nervous kid. I always knew that. Like people would be like, why are your hands shaking? When I was like a young kid. And I was like, I don't know. I was just nervous. And, and you know, there was um, times when uh, the stress around the house and my parents were both great. But at a certain point, they kind of didn't get along great. And so I think that stressed me out. And I was the youngest of five kids. Mm -hmm. So I kind of witnessed all the arguing and stuff. So I think that contributed to it. But, um, but yeah, I, I had uh, some anxiety and it really culminated um, – really grew and got worse and i would say in 2004 2005 right after my mom passed away i was having some pretty serious heavy duty stuff where i literally i'd be playing a show playing drums and i would i more than once had to get up in the middle of a song <laughs> with other guys in the band counting on me yes. to not leave <laughs> yes yeah and go it's the only home. thing you just and don't he, leave Mike. yeah if you could just finish the song that'd be <laughs> super um but uh i i literally couldn't help it like i i felt 
as though I was dying and I had to leave. It was that fight or flight thing. And it, I'd never experienced anything to that degree. But um, I, just things were culminating. My mom had been uh, sick and passed away and that I was working so much and, and not sleeping enough and not treating myself right and playing shows just one after the next. And I wasn't really happy in the band and, and just, you know, it's all this negativity. And it just culminated with these anxiety attacks. So I would just get up and leave. And then uh, I knew I was going to leave that band anyway. And so at that point I said, I, you know, I'm not quitting music. Mm -hmm. I am leaving this situation. I'm going to let myself rest for a few months. I know for a fact that I'm coming back and I'm going to do something music-wise because mm -hmm. I'm certainly not going out like that. But I did. I wound up uh, leaving that band and just um, shutting down for six months. How did you rebuild? And I don't mean your p professional career. Yeah, I mean no, your emotional. Really, yeah, just the day-to-day -day getting up and, and yeah. functioning. Was um, Number one was rest. Honestly, physically just resting because I would – when I was having – my most anxious times was I would go to work all day as a tennis pro. I'm a tennis pro and I would run tennis clubs. So I would teach tennis all day and then I would go to a show at least four or five times a week. And in those days, we played till 2.30 in the morning. So working at 8, playing till 2.30, running around in between, taking care of the kids and doing what I can do there. <laughs> uh, you do that for a while. And, and on top it of that, you know, not a great attitude. I was kind of miserable in that band. So um, – we were just playing covers, and I, I, it didn't turn out to be what I was hoping it to be, which is fine. But uh, anyway, to answer your question, um, just resting and honestly surrendering to me it was it was it got so bad that I I just you know I've always believed in God, I've always uh, had faith, and just uh, basically said if you want me to do music, I will; if you want me to do something else, I will, and just letting go of whatever I thought should be happening, resting, and then. Uh, it was pretty clear that music was something I was going to continue to do. Well, I'm glad you rested. I'm glad you rebooted. I'm glad you came back. I'm glad my wife was at a venue and she saw you speak. She saw you play, heard the vibrancy, not only in the guitar, but in the music, Mike. And that's so much deeper than an instrument. You, you have it. We got to have you at a Christmas party. Oh, yeah. Uh, the schedule, just so you know, you, listeners, my friends, you know, we have this party and folks come and it's it's like four hours. And we've had music there almost every year we've had this party. But the way the way musicians work is they play 20 minutes, they take a 40-minute break. You don't know where they are. They come back. They, they smell kind of funky when they return. <laughs> and then they play another 20-minute set. And really, the whole evening's all about them, apparently. Mike came in this first year and played for four straight hours. Not one break, not one time through the food line or up to the bar. You just played. You refused any any reprieve, and you played beautifully the entire time. And I realized, man, not only do I love this guy, I love this music. I love his heart. I had an event scheduled for about eight months later. It's called Launch. We brought in leaders from around the world. We brought in speakers from around the United States, and it had to be done right. And we could bring in any any musician anywhere, Mike, and we, we chose uh -huh. Mike Mattingly. You played, and you lit up all of the attendees that came, but you played a couple cover songs. But you also played this song that I think kind of became the theme song of a launch. It's a song that you wrote, the lyrics you wrote, the music you wrote. Would you tell me again what the title of it sure. was? Sure. The title is Growth, Peace, and Gratitude. And uh, basically, for me, this song came to me. It's kind of been revealed that uh, it's kind of like the— uh, for me, the explanation of what life is, you know, there's growth from the second you're born to the second you pass. You're always growing, changing, so forth. And you have to accept that. And you have to accept that not all of it's fun and not all of it's great. Sometimes you're supposed to feel things that aren't great. 
and you have to feel this stuff. And then you get the, you know, the good stuff too. And then when you, when you accept that, you find yourself at peace. And when you have that peace and you really do have that peace, even through the difficult stretches, you just find yourself, as you do, just feeling grateful most of the time. Like mm. I feel like my defining characteristic is, is gratitude because I literally now, and, you know, I go to bed feeling grateful. I wake up feeling grateful. And yeah, there's times when I'm in a bad mood and when things aren't going great. But when you really get to the point where, uh, you know, you realize that you're supposed to feel things and that everything is sound and, you know, everything's going to be okay. And you can, man, you can do anything. You can feel grateful all the time. Well, you're, you're living it. You're playing it. And I was wondering if you might be open. Absolutely. Uh, so my friends right now, you're going to hear a live performance. First time ever on the Live Inspired Network. We have a musician in-house playing an original song. This is Mike Maddenly. Sit back and enjoy the music. Little gratitude, oh, 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 
Smiling, no, you're not far from home, no He said, slow down, just slow down Breathing, no, you're never alone, no He said, slow down, just slow down Just smiling, no, you're not far from home, no And I know you'll find you have all you need Oh, yeah, oh, and I know Everything is alright, don't you know we were meant to feel? Please, people, take your seats. Let's not let them get a big head on that one, but that was Michael. So well done. It's such a beautiful song. The lyrics are so profound. And the meaning behind it, um, man, it's vast. But the first time I heard you play that, I loved it. Wasn't sure why. I didn't even know all the words. I think yeah. the first time you hear a song, you're not even really sure fully what you're listening to. Yeah. Then you played it again when we came back from one of the breaks. And by the end of that first day or two days of that event, I, I, there was a moment, though, where I understood all the words. I understood how they came together and what it really meant. I asked you that night, hey, we're all going to go across the street. We're going to get some pizza. We're going to do a little bit of bowling. It's going to be a fun activity. Will you join us? And you said no. And I said, well, dude, what's up with that? I thought you were cool, man. I thought you were up for hanging out with us. And, and the, you, eventually you shared, hey, John, you, you don't know this. But my dad is is at the end of his life right now. And, and he's home with me. He's in hospice. And, and I'm his caretaker. And I didn't even know this. And I know it's going to get emotional, I would imagine, talking about your dad and talking about leaving him to play a show and then returning to him and then coming back to us. But, man, uh, you know, here you are rocking out for us playing your originals and you're going home to your dad. So yeah. take take me back to that time in your life. Yeah, that was tough. Um, I'll do the best I can here. But yeah, that was tough. My dad, you know, was the, the best guy ever. And he was diagnosed. Uh, so my mom got sick in 2004. And uh, she had a stroke. And, and then she was recovering really well. And we thought she was going to get out of the hospital. And then uh, she got a blood infection. And all within the course of about seven weeks passed away like, it went from stroke, definitely not going to make it, to yes, definitely going to, hmm. you know, be released from the hospital, to yeah, not going to make it, and then, so that happened, and that was really brutal. And then, literally, that next year, hmm. I was the youngest of five in charge of handling all the will and all that stuff. So I was that year as a blur and handling my mom's house and estate and all that. And literally, the week that I got all that organized, my dad uh, let me know that he was diagnosed with cancer, um, and so. That was, gosh, I don't know. It was a long time ago, but uh, 2005, maybe 2006. And they gave him, his prognosis wasn't great. They said the most optimistic um, and don't count on this kind of a thing is five years. Uh, And he wound up making it almost 10 years, Mm. which is amazing. And he was, his doctors used him as a, uh, as an example of, you know, what can be when you're a positive guy and, and you really, you surrender to the situation. Honestly, it doesn't mean you yeah, you know, let him do whatever you want, but you you surrender to God and say, okay, and that's what he did. He was such an he was the most at peace guy that I'll ever know, likely. Um, and I I you know he he made it nine and a half years, and I would say that eight and a half of those years were pretty darn good life quality. Last year was really difficult. That's when I was taking care of him the most, um, and he had tons of treatments over those nine and a half years and surgeries and different things. But he was able to bounce back and play golf, and we had dinner every Sunday with my family. And uh, so, yeah, the last little bit was brutal. Dialysis, and uh, he lived with us for a while, up until the very end. 
and uh, you know couldn't do much for himself. It was really hard to watch somebody who was so independent yes. and like healthy go from that to very quickly those last nine to twelve months. Just you know, simple things they take for granted. Can't do it. Can't comb my hair. I can't stand up. I can't. It's crazy. Tell me what your dad taught you when you were a boy and he was a man. Yeah. And then the second question is going to be, tell me what he taught you at the end of his life. So let's start with number one, though. As a boy. You're uh, a kid, man. You're rocking out. Life's kind of about you. You know, you're getting a little bit of peach fuzz on your face. Life is, you know, drum set is rocking in the living room. Mom is singing along. Yeah. What did dad teach you about life then? Man, well, at that point, it was just my dad was very level-headed and the hardest working guy I know. I think to this day, he, he may be the, the leader in like overtime hours at Monsanto. <laughs> I, I swear to you, I think he, he held that title. For he just worked and worked and worked because he came from, uh, you know, very humble, like didn't have a pillow growing up. Yes. Literally didn't have a pillow. And to the day he died, he, he hardly ever used a pillow because he just never used, used to having a it. pillow. Something as simple as a pillow. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, man, he just worked really hard and supported our family. We had a lovely house and five kids and took vacations and he just worked, earned every penny of it. You, he provided a good life and provided a good role model. And then he goes through life and you go through your life and then you really come back together full circle and the, the caretaker, your dad to his son, the role switch. Yes. And you now become the father in many regards to the, the child, to your father. Yeah. He's at the end of his life. You're brushing his hair and bathing him and everything that goes with that. Yeah. What, what did dad teach you at the end of his life? Oh, boy. Well, that whole stretch, honestly, is is so it, – it's really – honestly, I look back on it and it really feels unfair because when you go for months with literally maybe three hours of kind of half-awake sleep, you're just not yourself. And I, I think I did a pretty darn good job, if I do say so myself, taking care of him and doing everything I can. But, you know, the times when you just get frustrated and you feel bad about that, but – um what he taught me was, man, he, he just, to the very end, to the very, very end, he was grateful and he was, he was in a better mood <laughs> than everybody in the room, no matter what he was dealing with. Mm. That, that's, that's about how I could sum it up. And that's the truth. You could ask anybody in my family and be like, that guy's in a great mood all the time and he's, he can't. Nine answer. years into cancer yeah. as a widow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about your wife, yeah. who I recently got to meet, and she's as as lovely as her husband. She's a great woman. Oh, no. I, I way outkicked my- oh, Yeah, you did. I, I don't mean to <laughs> say that not, on air, but you, not, you did. I mean- Let's not- And you around. started outkicking the coverage early, man. Yeah, I guess I'm smart enough to know, like, I'm, you know, I'm going to lock that down. You didn't meet on some website, <laughs> you know, late in life. You, you, no. You met her as a young kid, third grade. Is that so, right? So, I remember her. She she came to my school in third grade, and I remember her vividly because she has very cat-like eyes, which are lovely. And um, I remember seeing her hanging upside down on the, uh, the what do you call it, jungle gym or whatever yes. you want to call it? On the playground. And then the other thing I knew about her was she was super smart and a really good artist. Because when anytime, you know, you do these things in class and everybody puts their pictures up on the wall. First rock. You know, it was ridiculous. We'd all have our little stick figures and stuff. And she'd draw these elaborate, amazing things. And I was like, wow, she's really cool. I'm going to have to, like, get to know her someday. And right now i got to go play baseball and, like, chase for her. But but i I got to – something with her is, is good. 
Well, you got to know her. You, you yeah. stayed buddies throughout third grade at the Jungle Gym, the, the art classes and beyond. When did you uh, when did you flip the switch from being uh, you know chasing frogs to chasing well, her? Well, what's funny is like I always knew her. We never had any classes together, likely because she had like smart people classes, and I had the you know sometimes I go to school kid classes. Um, but uh, <laughs> we t- we took a lot of days off when I was a kid. Uh, I stayed home to play drums quite a bit. But like when we were fifteen, I was like, well, now's the time. I'm going to ask her out on a date. Always wanted to. And me and my two goofball buddies, uh, my best friends when I was a kid, we were at the movies and we saw her there. And so we were in the lobby and as she walked by with her popcorn and everything with her little glasses on, um, I said hi to her. I just said hi and kind of wanted to make an introduction. And she so didn't even acknowledge. Like she says she didn't see me. She kept walking. Just right by Hard to get. Right by me. That's right. And so at that point, of course, you know. Now it must happen. I must, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> that kicked things up a notch. So anyway, from there, you asked her out, and fifteen sophomores in high school, and I'm now we're forty-seven. <clears throat> excuse me, and we have two kids, and I wouldn't change one second of any of it. What was it about her that you fell in love with? Um, and I realize things di- are different at forty-seven. Yeah, things you love now are different than I mean, at I'm fifteen. 15 but you're thinking about other stuff. But what? but uh, no, I, honestly, it really comes from like a deep, more of an instinct. It's just an instinct, like I'm supposed to. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it, man. I, I, I'm a sensitive person, and I'm not by any means psychic or anything like that. But I, I, it was just very instinctual. I mean, she's obviously lovely to look at, but also I've known her. I know she was quiet. I knew she was artistic, and I was just wanted to get to know her. And then, of course, as soon as we went out, I was. It seemed like my whole life was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to. Love her and take care of her. You've been you've been dating for thirty two years. Yeah, without stopping. Yeah, huh? our twentieth wedding anniversary is in April next, coming up this next year. Yeah. When uh, someone says, "Tell me about your wife today," mm. how do you respond to that question? Ooh, well, I wish more people would ask me that. Let, I how about Mike, Usually, tell, me, just tell me about your wife, so, yeah, man. No, Brag she's, on her she's for a just moment. Awesome. I mean, like I said, um, hardworking, smart, level headed. Um, you know, beautiful. I, I don't. There aren't enough adjectives for me. I mean, she's she's the other half of me. Yeah. You um uh, you are a father. You yeah. are a husband. You are a friend and a gardener and a rock star and a whole lot of other t- jobs. You're also a songwriter. See, I was a gardener. Yeah, man. You, I, I've seen you. I've driven by the house. I've seen it. <laughs> Those viburnum are price. are well, crushing I do cut my grass in the backyard. You, you do cut the grass. <laughs> it looked like you weed whack even maybe. <laughs> So that, that's that's well done. Okay. But in addition to jamming out Ooh. and playing other people's music, you write your own. Yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. Uh, writing for me is, uh, it's, I love it, but it's hard. And I got to be in a great space to write yes. something that is really worthwhile. Absolutely. To write and to mix that with with melody and tune and guitar. Man, that, that that's a step beyond I can imagine. So how, how, tell me about the process of writing so, the song. So for me, I um, my whole thing is I want it to be very authentic. <clears throat> I never sit down to write a song, and I'm not knocking any of this. If any other folks do this, it's cool. But I never sit down and say, I'm going to write a song, and it's going to be kind of like this, and these are the people I'm targeting. I sit down with a guitar if I feel compelled to do so, and then I just kind of let it pour out. And I, I've got way more songs that are kind of half done that I've had for years than I do complete songs, mm. and that's just the way it goes. It's kind of like fishing. I heard, I forget who had this analogy, but maybe Sting or somebody, I don't know, but... It's like you got your line in the water. You're in a good space mentally. Now you just got to wait for the, the fish to come. Yeah, you got to wait for the bite. And then you kind of just let it take you where it's going to take you. 
Um, that doesn't mean you can't guide it a little bit, but you can't can't force it. The most authentic songs are the ones that just kind of come through and they're they're done fairly quickly usually. Um, you write the words or the music first? Um, I almost always write w- with the music first, um, not by choice. Just that's how just it, the way it comes. That's how it comes. Yeah, I'm very percussive and um, rhythmic, so I usually start with that, or that usually comes through first. Is there a place where you like to write? What's funny is I find mentally I have to be just like you, you know, and I, I'm sure anybody that creates or writes anything, you kind of have to be in a good, peaceful place. And for me, I always get inspired and write my most stuff, my most stuff. I write the most material um, during like holidays when I'm home and I know everybody's just home and safe and yeah, like, you know, I feel at peace and relaxed. I'll gosh, over Christmas break, I'll have a dozen at least partial ideas that I'll, I'll work on. Um, so it's, yeah, it's either like on vacation or Thanksgiving or Christmas or, uh, you know, just when everything is kind of calm and cool, then I, my head's clear and I find that I have more more bites, so to speak. Mike, when you play, whether it's at a bar or a large arena, mm-hmm. what do you hope the audience receives from your music? I, um, well, there's two parts, I think. Part of it is I want them to just feel good I want them to feel good. Um, and I also want, there is part of me that wants to play and I, and I love, I must admit my ego loves when people are not necessarily there to see me <laughs> and they're not paying attention, but then suddenly they start videoing or, or peek their head around the corner. Like maybe that's the, you know, uh, selfish part of me or whatever, but I, I like that. I like getting people's attention with whatever it is, whether it's a song or whatever. Um, playing a song a certain way or a specific song itself. I, I do like that. But I, I generally just want people to enjoy it and to feel good. You, uh, like I said earlier, this is the first time we've had a musician in-house. We've had a couple on the phone, a couple on the studio line, but never seated this close to me. Oh. It's my hope that not only will you play that song that I, I knew and loved from a few years ago that I know involved not only your father a little bit, but also you know, growth and gratitude and peace. Oh, yeah. But also a new song. Mike, you're always writing new great stuff. You're sending that to me. And, uh, man, I, I want you to share whatever you, whatever's on your heart that you want to share with our community right now. One more song. But before you play it, yeah. tell us what it is, why you wrote it, what we should be listening for. So this is a, kind of a cool story about this song. The song is called Bigger, and it's um, basically came through as, a, as a kind of a message of, like, I believe that when people, um, again, I say the word surrender, but when you when you believe in something bigger than you, a higher power, God, um, I think we're all better off. And um, I think once you get, a lot of times we need to get our minds out of the way and feel things a little more um, and allow those feelings to be and to live for something a little bigger than what makes us immediately happy or, uh, you know, immediately satisfied. Sometimes when you choose something bigger than yourself, uh, it just seems to work out. You just kind of let go of the reins and and let her rip. So that's this kind of the idea behind this song. Well, we're going to hear a song called Bigger by Mike Maddenly. And uh, brother, let go of the reins, let it rip. And we're excited to hear it.
that. Bigger, man. That's that. Yeah. Not all my songs are super deep like that. That <laughs> They have been pretty deep, I got to tell you. And yet the timing, Mike, with where we are yeah. as a community and where we are as a country, where we are as a global marketplace. For sure. And that's the big headline grabbing stuff. The reality is many of us are dealing like you dealt with mothers who are ill and fathers who are dying and relationships that are struggling, work that is challenging, finances that are worrisome. Yeah. I mean, this is life. And yet your, your song is about it. So there's something bigger going on. Yeah, I mean, it is an optimistic song, so I think that's good. You know, it's yesterday's over. We can start right now and make it what we want. Well, I also noticed you, uh, I'm glad I'm awake, still dreaming. Yeah, I'm wide awake and still and, and still dreaming, yeah, for you know, sure. When I, when I was a kid, I have a feeling you and I are basically twin brothers separated at birth. Okay. Somehow, but I spent a lot of time looking out the window at school, not looking at the chalkboard, mm-hmm. not looking at the teacher. I'm with you on that. Yep. Man, I looked out the window dreaming all the time. Just yeah. having a blast. Kids do this naturally, and we get it instructed out of us. Yes. And your heart, your music, and I think our calling is to have it instructed back into us, to go back into the classroom of life, but to instead of looking at the negativity on the board, whatever board's staring at right, you, look out right. the window, man. Yes. Turn off the news. Quit watching through social media. Absolutely look out the window at the life, news. and it's pretty good. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah, it really is. When you, uh, you know, we have an awful lot to be grateful for. I mean, we're born in America, number one. We're born at all, number one. Yes. Number two, born in America. Uh, and for me, I love St. Louis. I was born here, and I'm I'm proud to be from St. Louis. You, you've played uh, all my big events lately. I know, and I'm, you know, so grateful. <laughs> Seriously, that's not a that's not a pat on the back. No. I, well, it you is know, for me because I'm very grateful to have been at all of them. They've been some of the, the best times I've had playing music. And honestly, it, it's um, it's really kind of breath, breathed new life into what I'm trying to do. So that, that's exactly where I was going. Outside of playing music for the O'Leary podcast yeah. and the O'Leary book launch and the O'Leary leadership events and everything else that we invite you, the O'Leary Christmas party, uh, et cetera. What do you want to do next? So, yeah, it's a little, uh, it's, this sounds a little crazy, but I'm 47 years old. I'll be 48 in April, but I'm, I'm kind of going about things uh, backwards. Usually guys in their 20s go off and they try to make it music-wise. To me, making it music-wise is writing and recording whatever I want, posting it on my website uh, and iTunes and Spotify and all that good stuff, and, and having people support it, the idea of, of what I do. And so now my kids are a little older. My son's 18 and my daughter is 15 who... Mikey and Sarah couldn't love them any more than I do. And uh, I just feel this strong instinct to continue to play and to write these songs. And honestly, a couple of these songs I don't even feel like I wrote. I feel like they're I'm supposed to play them for yes. you. Uh, um, anyway, but uh, yeah, I want to be an independent recording artist. I'm not looking for a record deal. I, I made it a long time ago. Uh, I want to record my songs, have people have a place to access them. Um, and I'm not going to charge anything for my songs. If you want to download it from my website, you can. If you want to um, support me by by doing something with the online tip jar, you're welcome to do that. And I'm going to choose to have faith in folks to do that. And uh, it's kind of a kind of a radical deal. But yeah, I'm just going to write songs and play shows and hope that people uh, like it. Certainly, but take it from there. Mike, where can we where can we access the tip jar? And more importantly. Uh, where, where can we access this music? So the music, it's all at my website, which is MikeMattinglyMusic.com. It's M-I-K-E-M-A-T-T-I-N-G-L-Y Music.com. 
and there'll be links on there to, to iTunes if you would rather get it off iTunes or something like that. There'll be links on there. But you'll be able to just download MP3s of my songs, listen to them. Um, I'll probably have some covers on there just for fun. Mm-hmm. All free. Uh, this is just what I do. I don't want to compromise on this at all. And my dream is to be able to support my family doing this. And to this point, it's been a big chunk of what I do, but but not everything. So now I'm looking to make it that, like, this is what I do. You're all in. I am. I am all in. Absolutely. What what uh, <coughs> final question before we shift gears into the, the Live Inspired 7? Oh, I got this allergy, by the way. I'm hearing it's it, throat, man, but you're still throat, rocking out, dude. Tickle. You're oh, it's still fine, rocking out. It makes out. it tough to, you know, when you're in the middle of talking to cough every 30 seconds. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. When people hear the songs that you have written, you have felt on your heart to play, you have recorded, and now they are listening to Mike, what's renewed within them? What, you know, you, you, you put this out there in the universe. Yeah, hang out the tip jar. You kind of go all in. It's a gutsy call. You leave what you were doing professionally to do this full time. Yeah. What What are you hoping not to receive but to give? Boy, I I want people to feel good and feel maybe a little better about everything, about themselves, about their lives, about where we're headed. Because as as dark and negative as things can seem, sometimes that's that's sometimes the best opportunity to turn it around and do something better than that. So I feel like that's where we're at. Mm. That is a great way to leave it because I completely agree. And Mike, we have something here on the Live Inspired Network called the Live Inspired 7. They are seven questions that uh, all great rock stars, (laughs) all great figure skaters, all great Olympians, authors, my own mother has been guided through. And so now you too, my friend, will go through these seven questions. Mike Maddenley, what is the best book you've ever read? Best book I've ever read? Well, besides On Fire by John O'Leary. Yeah, thank you. It's your $24. There it is, yes. $4 just handed me. Um, <laughs> no, that, I mean, obviously, great book. Um, I I read slash audiobooked, um, you know, The Power of Now and uh, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And those are super deep, but I find fascinating and I yeah. can't stop listening to them and reading them because I feel like it's very, um, it speaks to my soul. So those are those are the books that I would probably say are the best. Now I've had a bunch of other funny ones, and like I love Martin Short's book. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it was something he did in the past few years. It was great. But yeah, I would say that the power of now. And, and you know, the power of now. I know a lot of folks read it and love it. It's hard to have a whole lot of anxiety and fear when you're living in the moment. Absolutely. And there's 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 something there might be something to that. It's a challenge, but yeah, when you can remind yourself and bring yourself back to that for sure. Tomorrow, Mike Mattingly, you discover that your wealthy uncle has mm. shockingly died. No one saw this coming okay. at 103, leaving you with millions. What would you do with that newfound wealth? Ooh. Um, yeah, so I would definitely, I mean, this is probably a kind of a boring answer, but I would pay off all debt, <laughs> pay off my house, uh, take care of my family and friends, just decide on some reasonable number and take care of everybody and make sure that my kids, you know, uh, were squared away as far as that goes. Boring, but fine. I think we all would agree yeah, with it. If your house caught fire and all living things were out, all living okay. people were out, and you have an opportunity to run back into that home and grab one item, what would you grab? Uh, no doubt about it. All of our DVDs and pictures of uh, family trips and kids. Yeah. Like, wouldn't even think twice. And I maybe, you know, if you want a more egotistical answer, I'd probably grab my guitar as well. Cause this is, That's been your baby for well, a while. It's, no one's ever played it. It's got my sweat in it. It's made from a tree. I mean, it's... 
this yes. is about it. As far as an inanimate object goes, this is this would be it. But yeah, the, and we'll, we'll we'll post a picture online. But uh, th- this guitar has been through it, man. I mean, this <laughs> thing is just about worn down. So there's going to be a picture of Mattingly and O'Leary on our uh, on our website. So you'll want to definitely check that out. And the guitar does the guitar have a name? Uh, Marty. Marty. So Marty's going to be in yeah. there with us. All right. If you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach on a phenomenally gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anyone. Oh. Anybody, living or dead, who would you want to be hanging out on that bench with? Well, I mean, the obvious answer is my mom and dad. Uh, So we'll go with that. But as far as like a famous person or someone like that, I find Prince absolutely fascinating, (laughs) and I would love to sit and chat with that cat. What would you ask Prince? First question I mean, I don't even know. I'd just be like, what's up, man? I mean, he's... I know a lot of folks only followed him for his, you know, his obvious hits and all that stuff early on, but he's a fascinating person yeah. who I truly believe is, uh, he was really touched and really like a true genius, not a term gets thrown around a lot. But truly, he truly was. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. So yeah, that would be, I'd love to sit and chat with that guy. What's the best advice Prince, mom or dad or anybody else ever gave to you? Oh, it's what? from my dad, for sure. Uh, and he said, right is right. And he didn't even tell me that. He used to just say that. And that's stuck with me because I'm a very short and to the point kind of guy. Like when I do communications and email, I bullet point. I'm really kind of straight. And I think that just resonated with me that right is right. And if you just stick with that, even if right is difficult, you know, everything's fine. Mm. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Ooh. <laughs> I would tell my 20-year-old self that everything is sound. Mm. Awesome. I would tell your 47-year-old self the same thing. Yeah. Everything is sound. The 20-year-old guy needed to hear it more than the 47-year-old. Mike Mattingly, it has been said that all great musicians, all great men, all great leaders can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? I think growth, peace, and gratitude. (laughs) I think that truly, like, not to, you know, break my arm, pat myself on the back at all because I feel like that song isn't even mine, but it really does kind of sum up everything for me. You grow if you realize that, you have peace. And when you're at peace, you just feel grateful all the time. That's kind of it. Mike Manley, it has been such a pleasure not only to have you uh, rock out our homes, our offices, our conferences, our book launches, but to have you as my friend. You know, I've learned a lot about the way you play your music. Uh, and in watching that, I've learned a lot about your heart and the way you do life. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been extremely grateful for this opportunity to share your heart, your music with our followers. Oh, I, I appreciate it so much. And I'm so grateful to be here. I can't even tell you. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking put, forward to playing next time for you. Uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. We're going to put you on the spot. Here, here's how I'd like to go to the finish line. I like yeah, to wrap right, up with a few show notes. Will you play for us a song by Prince that you just think will get us all fired up to go to the finish line together? Ooh. So I know if Prince is your guy. Well... Now look, <laughs> like I did, I wasn't crazy about like every song. I'm not like one of those blind fanatical people. He's just fascinating because he played everything and he played everything so much better than everybody else. And when he performed, I, like he just slayed everything. Yeah, <laughs> he literally did. Like if you watch all of his talented musicians play now without him, you're like, yeah, okay, they're good. I mean, the guy. He just he crushed. He's just a freak. So while Mike is getting the guitar ready, the song ready, my friends, I want to let you know that this is Mike Mattingly. And I am John O'Leary. Today is your day. Rock out. Peace, hope, love, gratitude. Keep going. And Mike Mattingly, take us to the finish line. We want to do Purple Rain or do we want to do...
you any sorrow Never meant to cause you any pain Only one at one time see you laughing yeah. Only want to see you laughing in the purple rain Purple rain, purple rain Purple rain, purple rain, yeah. Purple rain, purple rain, yeah. I only wanted to see you laugh in the purple rain. Woo! That's that.